0: The Baptist State Convention of North Carolina proudly presents the Revitalize NC podcast. It is our aim to help pastors and leaders renew a passion for the gospel and a vision for the future in order to make disciples who make disciples. Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whenever you're listening to this podcast. I'm Terry Long, your senior consultant in church revitalization here at the Baptist State Convention, North Carolina. And this is the Revitalize NC podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss current issues in church revitalization that many churches and pastors are going through with experts on the topic. Today, our guests include our revitalization ministry assistant, Ms. Hannah Deaton. Say Hi, Hannah. Hey, Terry. Glad I could join in. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. And our special guest today is Dr. Sam Rayner. Sam is the president of the organization Church Answers and the lead pastor at West Bradenton Baptist Church. Welcome, Sam. How are you doing, man?
1: It is great to be with you guys. Hello, North Carolina Baptist. Glad to join you.
0: Awesome, man. You're a friend, North Carolina Baptist, and we're so thankful to have that partnership with you, man, and with Church Answers. So thank you, brother. Well, Sam, let's jump right in. Just tell us a little bit about your family, your hobbies. You know, a lot of these... A lot of these people listening, a lot of pastors and leaders listening, you know, they know, may know of you, but they don't know about you. So just tell us a little bit about the personal side of things.
1: Yeah, I um, I live for baseball. Well, you know, I live for Christ, of course, and I live for my family. But if you're talking hobbies, uh, you know, I'm a baseball fan. Go Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, the, they will make the World Series. They're going to be playing the Padres. I don't know when this will, uh, that we're recording this in August. I don't know when it will post, but... You just watch. I'm going to predict the Tampa Bay Rays and the Padres in the World Series, and the Tampa Bay Rays are going to bring it home for the first time. So I'm a big baseball fan. i got five kids. Uh, one of them is uh, a foster child. Uh, so we've got three biological, one adopted, one foster child. i got an amazing wife. Erin uh, is her name. Uh, we, do, we love doing ministry together here in Southwest Florida. And uh, I have uh, several other creatures that end up somehow in my house. I have a dog that I love. Uh, I have a cat that is possessed by Satan, uh, and um, in fact, every time, he he, he knows that I believe he's possessed, and so he he has his ways of getting under my skin. Uh, Of of late, the latest creature that we found is a turtle. There was a turtle found on the road, and it somehow ended up in a bin in my house. Um, We've had hamsters and any other uh, variety of creatures with our children. Uh, They think that they make good pets. They don't. Um, so, uh, my, my hobbies beyond baseball and family aren't much. I, you know, I'm a pastor, uh, run a business that is church answers. Uh, but I do like to work out. I do like to run. Um, so, uh, I'm not a very good runner anymore at 41 years old. I used to be pretty good, but time has caught up with me and knees have caught up with me. Um, but I still enjoy getting out in the heat in the Florida
0: sun and enjoying a good run. All right, man, we're going to test you on this. What's your fastest mile time? Like, ever? Ever. Ever. Back in the day, man, back before, when 41 was 14.
1: All right, so back in the day, I mean, I could still run a sub-six mile. Right. But um, sub-five would have been a mile, but my better times were the 400 and the 800 meter. So for those of you who are listening or track people, um, yeah, I used to do the 400 about 49 seconds and the 800 about um, 150, 149. So... Those were, those were more of my better times. Let me put, I don't know if those are PRs. I'd have to look up all that stuff. But I was a fairly decent track runner. Uh, don't ask me to do it now, though. My mind, I can, still, I can still dunk a basketball. I can still get out there and run a sub one-minute quarter mile. Not anymore. My mind says yes. My body says no.
0: Man, man. And we appreciate the reference and, and we're also, you know, country music people out here, so we understand you're not as good as you once were. So we get we got that. That's that's awesome.
1: It's <laughs> that <is> so true. <laughs> so true.
0: Well man, we uh you know, obviously, you know, one of your hobbies, perfect perfect lead in for us is is uh you know, taking in kids, taking in animals obviously, and so just leads right into our topic today, which is church fostering and there's many organizations out there that are great organizations that define revitalization and fostering a little different. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you define church fostering and just kind of tell us how you got started in church fostering.
1: Yeah. So the word itself came about from our work with the foster system, fostering children. And, you know, we just asked the question when we moved to Bradenton, what, what's the biggest need in the community? And it, fostering was one of the biggest needs. It's tied to the heroin epidemic that's here. We're one of the worst spots in the nation for heroin overdoses, child removal rates as a result of drug abuse. Um, strong homeless population here, many of them, not all of them, but many of them uh, users of uh, fentanyl, carfentanyl, heroin, opiates, all that stuff. So as a result, children end up in the system. The mom and dad are getting hired doing whatever they're doing. Um, and then there's no place for these kids to go. So um the two are interconnected, but uh, you know, we just said, all right, well, we're a young family. We can we can foster children. We've been doing it for several years now. Uh, we were uh, blessed to adopt my son Dominic through the foster system. But the purpose of fostering is reunification. So, you know, w- we want these children to go back to their homes. We're rooting for the parents. We're not rooting against them. You know, I don't I don't really want somebody else's child. Um, I mean, I'm glad to take them into my home, but it's not like I'm looking. For these kids, you know, I, there, it would be better if there wasn't a need, but there is. So the whole idea of fostering a church came about through our foster system experience, and it's connected to revitalization. Revitalization is the process where a church seeks to get healthier using its own internal resources of people, funds, and processes. So, you know, when you're revitalizing a church, um, hopefully you move outward because that's the movement of the gospel. But it's an internal thing in that you've got your own resources, your own people. Adoption. If you're talking about the term adoption, when you're under the umbrella of revitalization, that, that's where um, a church is uh, a healthier church is is going to um, merge. is a more common term. I like the term adopt because there's more biblical kind of connotation to adoption. But you're going to come, un- you're going to come into the family of another church. So one church coming into the family of another church, a blended family. Now that's that's adoption. Merger is the term that has been used in the past. Um, Fostering, though, fostering is a process where a relatively healthy church is going to provide people and resources for a relatively unhealthy church over a specific period of time. So in the same way that I'm going to care for this child, um, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this for a season while you get your life back, you know, while you, you know, get off drugs, do whatever you got to do to um, to get your life in order. I'm going to, all right, well, I'm going to take care for your child, and when you're when you got your life in order, you get your child back. Well, fostering in the church works similarly because, all right, church, you you need some people, you need some. We're going to temporarily send them your way, people and resources, to help you out for six months to a year. That's kind of the general time frame, and and then we're going to get you to a healthier place. And then we're we're, gonna, we're not adopting you, we're not bringing you into our family. We're we're fostering you for a season so that you can get back to that healthier spot. So. Um, while all of these terms, revitalization, adoption, fostering, are all connected, um, they are different things. Um, and so as if view revitalization as that big umbrella under which many things follow, f- fall. Um, adoption and fostering are kind of a couple of pillars under the revitalization um, roof, if you will. Uh, so that, that's it in a nutshell. Now, <laughs> there's a lot more nuance to it beyond just simple definitions, obviously.
0: Absolutely. You talked about the, the healthy church side of things, and, and we've been blessed here in North Carolina to have several healthy churches that are. Um, we're seeing just God raise up um, uh, just healthy leadership. Uh, we're seeing the gospel go forward. We're seeing you know many many be baptized in those churches. But for those types of churches, and they come in all kinds of sizes and backgrounds and context, what are some keys, if they're thinking about fostering, what's some keys that they need to know, or what are some, some uh, just identifying markers that you want to share with them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think at the core, fostering is just a true concern for the body of Christ. So you're asking yourself, what is the need? Um, And the need right now is that there are a boatload of churches that need revitalization, right? I mean, give us more churches. I'm all about church planting. I am not a church planting expert, and you didn't bring me on the show to talk about church planting, but I do. Anytime I talk, people are like, well, what about church planting? I'm like, I'm all for it. Please, let's go plant more churches. That's just not my <laughs> that's not my wheelhouse. Um, so I think one of the biggest needs in North America right now is just churches needing help and, re- and revitalization. So you know, fostering is just kind of there as, you know, this is the essence, the core is I care deeply about my community. I want to be a good neighbor. I, I, want, to, I want to help the other believers in our community. And where are the other believers? Where are their churches? We're going to go help this church. Um, and so I think the core needs to be a genuine and true concern for the neighborhood, for the community, and for the bride of Christ. And once you get that right, the motive changes, because there are some churches, I guess, and some leaders that would go into this saying, hey, you know, we're, we're really just looking to get some property because we want to do the multi-site thing. And while I'm all about multi-site, I, I pastor a multi-site church. That's the wrong motive. You need to go into this, want, like with the child. You don't want to root against the family so you can get the child. Uh, you want to root for the family so the family can get their child back. So you want to root for the church that's in need. Um, and help them out so that they can get back to a place where they need to be. So the core really is that genuine concern um, for for the local church.
0: Any uh, any uh, just tips on how for those those healthy churches to prepare? Do they need to be building into their leadership? Do they need to be with their networks? W- what would be some a couple keys for how they can prepare for this? And if if God's given that desire, if if they have the uh, the true kingdom mindset that you're talking about and motive, just some some first steps that they could take.
1: Yeah, the first step is a very easy step. It is typically the lead pastor having a good network in the local community. So it rarely does a fostering relationship come to fruition through just two churches getting together. It almost always happens through a pastor and, and either a church that doesn't have another pastor or a pastor and another local pastor. So really, the, the first step is, you know, the the pastor of a healthier church needs to make sure that he is out there in the community, understanding where other churches are. So it's a networking thing. Um, you know, I, I've been very intentional about just making sure that I am in the lives of other pastors in this community, and I've had others do the same with me. And through that network and through that relationship of trust, you know, we've been able to foster a church, two churches actually, um, at West Bradenton. One of them actually went to adoption because they wanted it. We, didn't, we weren't necessarily seeking it. They just wanted it. And then another one we've been, we've been helping along the way. It's a little north of us. Um, so but all of that is the, the pastor connection. So I would just say for fostering to thrive at a local congregation, it needs to have the lead pastor really pushing that vision and doing the work of making those connections at a local level. Now, when you get down into the people level you know, beyond just leadership, because it's also going to be hard to foster if it's just the lead pastor that wants to do it. you got to get your church on board. Um, you have to build a culture of selflessness because you're, you're asking your people to, at least a group of them, many times you're asking three, four, five, ten of them to go to another place for a year or
0: That's right, that's right. And,
1: and, 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 you know, granted, they're probably going to come back, and there's, that's fine, that's the point.
0: Now, some of them may
1: decide to stay. They may say, you know what? We really want to be a part of this. We, we've been doing this for a year. We believe in that they may stay. So there's a selflessness on the sending churches part, because you're going to send people who are acting selflessly, because a lot, a lot of times, let's just be real, these churches aren't churches that they would go to, right? I mean, they're, they're looking at it going, there's a reason I didn't join this church. Um, but I, I, I'm going to go here now to help them, because I want to be selfless, and I want to be part of the you know, the, the kingdom work that, that the body of Christ is a part of. So, you know, your people have to be selfless. You have to build a selfless culture. Uh, you can't hoard talent. It's it's like <laughs> these churches and, yeah, we have six bass players, four saxophonists, and uh, 22 guitarists. And it's like, okay, I think you can send, like, three of your mu- musicians over here for, you know, a year. Uh, but, but if you're a hoarder, if you're like no, no 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 we can't we can't let go we don't want our people to go, well you know it's never going to work. So it's uh, it's the leadership of the church, predominantly the lead pastor the be executive pastor or associate pastor but predominantly the lead pastor, wanting to do it, making those network connections, and then a culture of selflessness in a church um, to to send people. But it also takes selflessness on the on the church that's receiving this help because you can't just receive this help and say. Well, you're coming to do things the way we've always done them. You have to receive the help and say, we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) Obviously, what we're doing is not working. So you're coming to help show us how to do things better. So without that culture of selflessness, without the understanding of what it is on the front end, it won't work. It'll end up being either the receiving church, the church that's being fostered, just thinking, well, you're sending us people to help us do the things that we've always done them, or it'll be a bigger church looking for a campus trying to poach some property you know that's how this thing you see from how does it go sideways that's how it goes sideways so motivation is key motivation and selflessness are key
0: so that motivation as we flip to the other side of things that the struggling church so the motivation first obviously you speak of that, des- that desperation the openness um the teachability um it, taking it from there what are some some keys that those churches uh, need to be thinking about some some insights um, or e- even starting from the front end, how do they how do they know that they're more of a uh, candidate for fostering versus just revitalization? Take us down that road. If, if on the other side of things, with that struggling church,
1: yeah. So several. That's a great question. Some things that you know you, you're, you're looking for. I mean, do they have a pastor? Well, there's no pastor. Okay. Well, that's definitely a sign of a fostering scenario because they like they need somebody there. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of a a key market. So the church that we foster, both of them did not have pastors and they were just desperate is the right word. Um, but if there is a pastor there, that pastor has to demonstrate, um, an understanding that what has been done has not worked. And, And sometimes it's a new pastor. Sometimes it's like, Hey, I just got here. I inherited a boatload of problems and, um, I need help trying to figure it all out. Uh, sometimes it's a pastor that's been there a long time. And it's like, yeah, I really do want the Church to do well, but it's not working for whatever reason. And you just have to—you can't point fingers, you can't assign blame, um, it can't be a gotcha moment with any of this. You just all have—you have to be willing to give help, have to be willing to receive help. From a due diligence perspective—so so let's just get real practical. From a due diligence perspective, there's kind of five keys, if you will, um, that would also apply to adoption, but I think apply to fostering. You want to do a leadership assessment. You want to do a doctrinal assessment. You want to do a financial assessment, a facility assessment, and a legal assessment. Um, so, you know, leadership, what's really going on there? Um, who's leading? How are they leading? What kind of leadership structure do you have? Doctrine, you know, doctrine's key. Uh, you know, are, are there doctrinal errors here that have caused the decline? Um, a financial assessment, you know, you know, you know we've uh i can't tell you how many churches like oh we're you know we're so poor oh man we don't we don't bring in money like we used to and you look at their designated accounts and like well, you have a million dollars in the bank well that's our rainy day fund you know it's like um it's a rainy day yeah. it's time to use them.
0: <laughs> look outside the window man
1: it, it, yeah yeah i mean, it, i cannot tell you how many uh, how many established churches i've seen in various tribes not just baptist but various tribes where they where they think that they are financially strapped and we're not bringing in money the way that we used to. And you look, you look at their financial statements, and you're like, I'm looking at the balance sheet. I'm looking at the assets. And I'm looking at the liquid assets, and I'm going, you literally have seven figures here. Mm. Well, yeah, but that, that's, for, that, that's for a time when you know, we may actually need it. You're like, it's time. <laughs> it's time to spend. The reason people aren't given is because you hoarded all the money. You know, that alone can cause decline in church. So you've got the leadership assessment, doctrine assessment, financial assessment, facility assessment. A lot of times these facilities have incredible amounts of deferred maintenance. And there's fostering relationships. Literally, when we started with one of our fostering cases, it was literally like, your facility is garbage. And you, like, you have got to get this up to speed. Um, And this is the church that we ended up adopting, and it was, it was, it was, so bad that we had to tear down the sanctuary because it was a sick building. And at the time of this recording, we had a giant hole in the ground because we're not filling it with 12 dump trucks full of dirt because they, left the, they messed up their facility. I'll just say that. It was, it, was a, it was a gigantic mess. It ended up being a sick building, had to tear it down, um, and it's because they didn't take care of it. So sometimes you're going into a fostering arrangement, and literally it's like, hey, our whole job is just to help out with your facility. I mean, you could do a facility fostering thing with your building and grounds group, whoever, you know, a large healthy church got all sorts of people to do all sorts of work. Well, go spend six months helping them, you know, get their facility in order. And then a legal assessment. Um, I've seen churches that, you know, get all mixed up with deeds and um, bylaws, governing documents, and they don't even know what they have in terms of governance. And, you know, I've, I've actually helped a church uh, in, on the east coast of Florida that part of their decline was because their bylaws were so wonky, they couldn't get anything done. Um, so sometimes, you know, it could be just as simple as, hey, we've got a group of three people. We're going to have to you get your bylaws in order. Um, now, most fostering arrangements are bigger than that, of course, where you're sending people in resources, and they're actually on site for six months to a year. Um, but that's where I start. Um, now, you could do ministry. You could do spiritual stuff. I'm, you know, I'm just giving you the practical stuff, of course. And I think it's often overlooked. But, yeah, leadership, doctrine. Finances facility and legal are very important. Those are good starting points when you're looking at, you know, what's going on in a church.
0: Yeah, once you're really setting up, you you know, you're talking about almost setting up uh heading down that road of a kind of a document of understanding between the two churches and what this commitment's gonna look like, the time frame, um, what are the resources gonna look like that the they're gonna provide, as well as the openness openness to that, uh to those resources and and uh, teachability, all those things. So you've talked about all the things that could be provided. Um, let's, let's flip on the other side. Anything that you would say for those two parties, the the stronger church and the struggling church, to stay away from in that 6 to 12 months where you say, hey, this is a no-no, this is a, this is a trap, this is, this is, this is uh, not a good idea? Any, any, of those, any of those specific ideas of stay away from in that 6 to 12 months?
1: Yeah, yeah the one that rises all the way to the top is in a fostering arrangement, while you're doing the fostering, you shouldn't be talking about taking over the campus. Either, either the, the, the struggling church saying, well, we just want to be part of your family now, or the healthier church saying, well, we just, we just think you need to become a site of our, of our church. You know, if you're there to foster, be very specific about it. You're not there to adopt. You're there to foster. So let's work through the fostering arrangement. Um, so I would say that the biggest no-no is confusing adoption, which is merger stuff. Um, I, again, I prefer the term adoption. Um, but you know the biggest no-no is confusing adoption and, and fostering. And, and, and so you're there to foster. You're there to help the church get to a healthier place. And as you mentioned earlier, an MOU or a Memorandum of Understanding, I think, is absolutely necessary on the front end. Obviously, you get six months in, you want to do three more months of something else, you can change the MOU, but you need a guiding document. We are here to do X, Y, Z in this amount of time. And I think another big, so step, step one, don't mix up fostering and adoption. Step two, don't go longer than a year. You know, a year is, I and mean, could there be a case of 18 months? I'm sure. But generally speaking, anything longer than a year, you're building dependency into the church and it can become very unhealthy where they, they just think that you're just going to always be there. You've got to have a time frame, six months to a year, where people actually get it in gear, where they actually start doing what they need to do. So you're kind of the, you know, I know we're in a pandemic, and no pun intended, but the shot in the arm. You're the, the shot in the arm to, yeah. to get them what they need. Um, you're not there for this long-term, drawn-out, you know, vague sort of arrangement. where oh I'm glad we got a worship team now. Well, no, we're here to train up another group to, to do this because we're leaving. Um, now, you know, some may stay, but th- that's for later. That's not for while you're doing the fostering.
0: When do you know, Sam, Hey, this is not working And there. I know I'm asking a multitude of questions there, but, uh, when do you know, Hey, we've kind of gone past the point of fostering. We need to ta- start thinking about merger. We need to start thinking about adoption, whatever it may be. What are some things that you're seeing when you, when, uh, after six months or a year, when, when it probably, the, the document needs to change, the understanding, the, the the direction? What are some things that you're seeing there?
1: Yeah, I would say um, the way that you know you've changed from fostering to adoption is when the fostered church starts talking in that way. Um, you, you know, I, I just don't like the idea of fostering and then kind of knowing in the back of your mind, hey, there's we're going to foster you, we're going to send you people, but really, you're, you're never going to get it together. So we're going to do a bait and switch, and at the end of this year, we're basically going to say, well, now we're here to take over the campus. Um, that's not fair, and it's unethical. It's, I strongly advise you not to do that. Um, it's, it's just highly unethical. So the way that you know that um, there might be an adoption here is I think the foster church, they, they're getting healthy, they're, they're seeing things in the right way, they're appreciating what's going on, and they go, you know what, we think long-term we're going to be better off as a site or a campus of of your church, but they lead that conversation, not the, not the church who's the, the healthier church, because it's very easy to poach and to pray on struggling churches once they let you in. Now, it's hard to get your foot in the door, right? That's where the network comes in with the lead pastors talking. And that circle of trust and that relationship of trust, but it's really, really easy to poach. Once they trust you, you need to do what you said you were going to do, and you're not there to take over the campus. So, yeah, the the way. Okay, how do you know it's not working? Well, one, <laughs> you'll if it goes sideways on it, you'll know. <laughs> you'll, we're going to do our six months and we out. We, yeah. You know, we're out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> clearly you guys did not want the help. I don't know how we got to here, but you don't want the help so you'll know if it goes bad um th- th- that's the easy one
0: the foster team shows up and the, the locks have been changed on the on the doors is what you're saying
1: oh i could tell you all sorts of horror stories yeah i mean i mean get down to the point to where you know you're labeling hand sanitizer because this is our hand sanitizer not your your hand sanitizer i mean i've, I've seen it all um, you know, it's, it's just ridiculous. You get to the point of ridiculousness where it's like, this is not healthy for anybody where and that's going to happen by the way, Yeah. just like in the foster system with children, there's cases where you're just like, this is nuts. what am I doing? I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have just said, looked at each other and said, well, what are we doing? But we always circle back around and we go, you know what? This is the right thing. Yeah. This particular case is painful. Um, but, but there are others that really need our help. So fostering's messy. Fostering is not, there's, if you have a 100% success rate with fostering, goodness, come talk to me, because yeah. like, I, I, I want to learn from you. Uh, I, I, you know, you're, you're lucky if you get a 50% success rate on this kind of stuff. So you're getting into it knowing it's messy, knowing there's going to be failures, knowing that some of these churches aren't going to turn around, in the same way that when you foster children, that's the case. Um, so you know, how do you know when it's not working? Well, there's going to be plenty of times where it's not, you're just going to know. Um, but then when it needs to move to the next level... I think you do so very cautiously and at the request of the foster church that's great
0: yeah, that's great stuff you you said something specifically that I want to maybe jump in a little bit more on um, your example of churches that actually do have a pastor that are there um, that is that are struggling what advice would you give to that pastor um what advice would you give to the church approaching that church that already has a pastor? Because we know that could be a sticky situation. Um, how, how, how would you see that working well, or what have you seen uh, when, there's a, when there's already a pastor there?
1: Yeah, and that's pastor to pastor. So typically what I've done in those cases is, you know, I, I take pastors out to lunch. I try to do that twice a month, and I try to rotate pastors and get all the new pastors. I try to get to know them, all tribes, you know, all different faith backgrounds. Um, you know, I, I you know we're Baptists, I'm, I'm in your tribe, I'm Southern Baptist, so, you know, I obviously have a heart for my own tribe, and that's the priority, but I'm also networking with others, um, and, you know, once you, once you have that trust, you know, they're going to open up a little bit. Most of these pastors and struggling churches are going to open up, and frankly, the vast majority of them inherited problems that are almost unredeemable, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, you're looking at a guy, and you're like, okay, so you, you got a church that had 15 people, and they're all jacked up, right? You know, like, good luck growing that church. You know, everyone thinks that church growth is easy or that, you know, you sprinkle some, you know, you know, church growth dust on something, and it'll grow. And you look at these churches that have grown, and you wonder how they've done it. And, you know, all of that. And church growth is hard. It's hard. And a lot of times, you just inherit a mess. Even if you've been there 10 years. Sometimes it's, it's not, I hate to say, you know, it's not their fault. I mean, and that, that sounds like I'm giving them an out for poor leadership. I'm not trying to do that, but um, you know, a lot of times these guys is just it's like nobody nobody was going to do well with that church. I mean, Billy Graham could go to Jesus Christ could go to that church, and it's not going to grow because the people are just hard hearted. So, uh, you know, it's um it's something where you just I just look to the pastors, and uh, you know, I'll say things like once I have their trust after a few lunches or what have you, I'll just say, listen, you've inherited a mess. Here's the thing, don't. Don't get, to a point of, don't get to a point of desperation. Um, don't close your doors before calling me. If you just get, when you get to that point, give me a call. Just give me a call. I want to help. And, and that's all I have to say. And I get those phone calls. And you will get those phone calls. Build the trust. Let them know you really care. And just say, I'm your lifeline. And when you're ready to take the lifeline, I'm ready. And, and in, in those cases, you see a healthier relationship when they have an existing pastor.
0: Yeah, and probably the existing pastor is probably appreciative of having more like mindedness in the church, having a support system, and a network within the church now. So he's probably receptive to those things is is what I hear you're saying.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times they just need they, some of these pastors in struggling churches, they just need to vent. You know, they, they go to these events and, you know, they, they know that their church is not where they need to be. Frankly, there's you know, there's <laughs> there's probably more that are like them than not, but you feel like you're alone because you know, my church is struggling. I've tried everything. I really do want it to grow. I really do want us to do gospel work. I'm inviting people to church. I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do, and I'm still struggling. Well, that's a lot of churches. That's a whole lot of churches, more than we realize. There's so many pastors out there that are just like two weeks away from quitting, um, and they just keep hanging on and keep hanging on. And so when you reach out and you say, you know, I just care. And okay, so I'm in a little larger church, and you know maybe my church is uh, just as unhealthy as yours, but since I have 300 people in mine, uh, the finances are a little more stable. You know, what, we started, <laughs> my, I can tell my story let me. Tell you, I started fostering. We started fostering when, when my church was going through a very difficult time. I'll just say that. I won't get into the details, but uh, everyone looked like I was crazy. Like, what are you doing? Taking on a fostering arrangement when you yourself, your church, is going through so much, and I was just like, it's outward focus. The remedy of 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 sin is the gospel, right? So, uh, you know, the 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 uh, the way that a inward church gets healthy is to reach outward. Well, you're not ready to reach. Well, no church is ready to reach outward. You know, pray the Lord the harvest now. Go. So we just did the whole now go thing, and we went and fostered, and it was one of the best things we ever did. So. Um, you know, a lot of times these fostering arrangements. You know, we say we, paint, we painted this ideal of, oh man, this healthier church is going to come in and send that ten people over there, and it's just going to magically work. You know, a lot of times it's well, we got three hundred people. You can have um, you can have five of ours, and I don't even know if you want these five, but you know, it's five warm bodies are going to go over there. We're going to just try this thing, and and somehow God works in all of that. So. I don't even want to paint this as an ideal. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's just like the foster system with children. It's all messy, you know. And sometimes families are like, "We can't foster a child. We, we, our family's not there." So just but nobody else will. So let's just go do the work of the gospel. And God will work through it. The Holy Spirit will work through it. And we've seen that happen.
0: Yeah, it's like the uh, it's like the commercials that uh, the foster care programs put out the last couple of years. Man, the best foster parents one that's just present, willing to be there, and willing to be open to to take in kids. That's awesome, man. Well, I think the biggest principle you know that you've shared today um, with us is that no one's got this all figured out, and uh, the most important thing is is to be present, um, being willing, uh, being open and broken, and, and being uh, being kingdom minded. And so, but it, but I, I hear you saying, Sam, uh, this is this is not a one size fits all thing. Is that correct?
1: Uh, absolutely not. I mean, any church can do this. You know, you think of the church, the mega church that's got it all together, or you think they have it all together, um, and they're the ones that are going to go do this. No, I think that I, you know, it's fine if they do, and certainly we could use the resources of large churches. I mean, yes, please. I mean, if you've got a ten million dollar budget, you can do a lot of good at the community. But I'm really talking to the churches of 100, 200, and 300, helping out those churches of 10, 20, and
0: 30. Oh, that's
1: where you're really going to see the fruit.
0: Amen. Well, in the backup principles, I heard from you today, right here from Sam Rayner, the guy that ran the sub five minute mile, and he's got that. that when I was eighteen, hey man, you got I'm that. Forty one. You, gotta, you, you got you that my best time. You got that athletic background. So just the the backup principle for that, that. If you're listening today and you're a church that is healthy, Sam's saying don't send your C and your D team. Be ethical about it. When when you send over your worship team or whatever, don't make it your C and D team. Is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah, send some of your best people, uh, send, and send people that will be a fit. So when we sent a preacher to the Southside Church, when, when we sent our preacher over there, um, he he, uh, he knew th- he's, he's trilingual, uh, sh- one of our best teachers, um, you know, just an incredible guy, had, has a pastoral background, was a church planter, lived in multiple different parts of the world. Um, and so I sent him over there because, one, I know, like, but he 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 knew i knew he could handle it you know i he knew spanish and we had spanish speakers in that part of the community so you know, but he he had the the strength to handle it and i hated losing him at our our campus you know i hated losing him for where we were and i thought you know what his whole family may over go over there and they may actually end up liking it and he may even become the pastor because they needed a the pastor. I, did, I didn't know. I didn't know. Now, I ended up working out, and they found another pastor. They ended up being a campus of our church eventually. That, you know, That's an unusual story. That part of the story is unusual. But what part is typical is, yeah, I sent our best guy. I, I, sent, I sent You know, the guy that I thought, like, man, it, this hurts. It hurts to send him over there. But that's sacrifice. That's when you know God's in it. Because you can be generous to somebody, and you should, but you know, generosity doesn't hurt. Sacrifice hurts. Sacrifice changes the way you do things. Sacrifice means that it's painful to you to do something. And that's when you know that you're doing fostering right, when it's a true sacrifice. So yeah, don't, don't, don't send all your grumpy people um, you know, to foster. Get them, out of, you know, get them off the campus. Send your best people. Send, send the people that you think will fit the best at that location.
0: Man, you have given us some awesome insight today, Sam. And I know so many people um, that will are going to love to hear what you had to say today. And so I'm going to just uh, tie a bow on this and, and go to some final thoughts. Um, just processing a little bit of what uh, what uh, Dr. Rainer shared with us today, Hannah. What, what was the biggest takeaway that you have from, from, for North Carolina Baptist today? Something that really stuck out that you want to share in final thoughts? Yeah, I loved what you said, Sam, about building a culture of selflessness within a church that wants to help foster, and also building a church of selflessness that's trying to receive help. I think going back to the gospel, we, God desires for restoration. He desires for um, reconciliation. And so there's plenty of churches out there who need to be reconciled, needs to be rebuilt. And fostering might be that model. And I just loved what he had to say about, like, fostering, you have to be selfless. It's, you have to sacrifice some things. So. Amen. Thank you, Hannah. Good insight. Sam, final words, final thoughts for us today and our audience listening.
1: Yeah, I, I would just say that I think the Rays are in a good position uh, up on the Boston Red Sox by about three games. Uh, I think it's three games at this time. I, I really do believe that uh, they've got a shot at the World Series, and I look forward to, uh, to seeing them there.
0: Well, we appreciate your, your insights, especially on the fostering <laughs> side of things today. And none,
1: none of your people care. None of your people care. Oh,
0: I, guarantee, and I they, guarantee you. In North Carolina, we got a mixed bag. I guarantee you, there's there's the many that care. But thank you guys so much. Thank you to Hannah. Thank you to Sam today. Thank you to all of you that listen. Our pastors out there. Um, our Revitalizers. Um, If you're a church leader, if you're a church that's struggling, thank you for listening today. We want to be a resource for you. I know Church Answers would love to be a resource for you. The North Carolina Baptist State Convention, we would love to be a resource for you. Make sure that you get on our Revitalize NC website And reach out to us. We would love to walk alongside of you in this and any way that we can. But that is all that we have today and we are looking forward to the next time that we share with you on the Revitalize NC podcast. Thank you all for joining in. I want to take a moment to remind you about the Reimagine NC website. It's full of tools and tips and resources for churches and leaders to think about new ways of approaching ministry. I really believe that will help you. It's great content in that area and in all areas of ministry. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your partnership in the gospel through your generous support of the cooperative program. For more resources and information, visit our website at revitalizeNC.org.